bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. As we're about to open our Bibles and as we're about to seek your face, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So open our Bibles to Daniel 7 and let's, let's study. Okay, let's study together. Let's open the word of God. Let's begin to delve deeply into the scriptures. Now, I have a, a document that I'm going to share with you, and we're going to use it as a means of letting the scriptures kind of interpret themselves. Um, but before we get to the document, I want to read the couple, first couple of verses. So Daniel chapter 7, and beginning at verse number 1. Daniel 7. Interesting. Daniel 7 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now, let me just go ahead and pull my little chart up. Let's make sure that is ready to share with everyone. Because it's in, it's in the comparison of what the scriptures say that brings us to a place where we can, we can trust uh, the word of God. So let me share this with you. And yeah, screen one. Now I, what I did was I broke down the verses comparing verse with verse. So the first thing I want you to look at is Daniel seven, verse two. If you can see that uh, there on the screen, Daniel seven, two, we just read it. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my visions by night and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. And so what I wanted to do was look up, first and foremost, these winds or four, four winds of heaven. If you go with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 49 and verse 36, Jeremiah 49 and verse 36 Notice what the Bible says in Jeremiah 49 and verse 36. The Bible says, And upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and will scatter them toward all those winds. And there shall be no nation whether the outcasts of Elam shall not come. So in this passage, in Jeremiah 49 and verse 36, the four winds come from the four quarters of heaven with the purpose and intent of scattering. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about this passage, we're looking at Israel, we're looking at Jerusalem, and God is using these winds to scatter God's people to all the different quarters of the earth, to all the different nations in the land. So the winds are a disturbance. Does that make sense? Everybody can follow that? The winds function as a disturbance. They're not just there for 
uh, joy and happiness and peace and long suffering. And no, they're there to cause a disturbance, to break up the comfort of Israel. Okay. So the winds are causing a disturbance. Let's go to Zechariah chapter two and verse six to further this point. Zechariah, go with me to Zechariah chapter two and verse six. Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in Zechariah 2 and verse 6, Ho, ho, come forth, flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven, saith the Lord. So what's happening here? God is spreading them abroad. He's, he's, he's moving them from their comfort zone to discomfort because they are not in a right place with him. So there's a, this, this wind comes from heaven to cause discomfort. Again, you see the passage. Go with me to Matthew 24 and verse 31. Matthew 24 and verse 31. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse 31. The Bible says, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect, what's it say? From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So here it is. God's people are scattered into the four winds. They're scattered north, south, east, west. So these winds, again, cause a disturbance. They cause a scattering. They cause a scattering. Go with me to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. You know the beautiful thing about Bible study is that when we study the Bible and we compare text with text, we don't need a lot of excitement per se. You know what I mean? It's like the text kind of, the, the text speak for themselves and they unveil, you know, they unveil themselves as we compare scripture with scripture. I really love studying the Bible. I really do. Uh, Revelation chapter seven and verse one, notice what the Bible says. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the still of the living God, and cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. So here are just a few passages, and we can go to many more, where the four winds are being held back in Revelation 7 to protect God's people until they are sealed. And in Matthew 24, verse 31, the angels come from the four corners of the earth. In, in Zechariah 2.6, these four winds are winds let loose to scatter the people of God, just like in Jeremiah 49 and verse 36. So we can see that the four winds are an indication of a disturbance on a global scale. They're in a global influence or a global impact. So go back now. Let's look at Daniel 7 and verse 2. Carefully, again, seeing Daniel 7, verse 2, the Bible says, Daniel spake 
and said, I saw in my vision by night, and before, behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. So what is the great sea? What is the great sea equal? Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah chapter 17. And we're looking at verse number 12. What is this great sea? The four winds striving upon the great sea. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12 says, Woe to the multitude of many people, which make a noise like the noise of the seas, to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of many, what's it say? Waters. The nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them and they shall flee afar off and shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. So here you have, again, very interesting. And it's, it's, it's highlighting this idea of mountains, or, or I'm sorry, of this great sea, and the sea is equated to peoples and nations, okay? It's equated to peoples and nations. The wind is blowing upon the sea. The wind is blowing upon the people. There's a disturbance. There is an unsettling amongst the people and amongst the nation. Everybody follow that? Very simple. Very simple. And I, I really appreciate this idea. And I, I love Pastor, Pastor Jones, you're going to be teaching on the same subject tonight. Praise God, man. There's more people need to be delving into the word. And so it's, it's very interesting as Daniel is having this vision, what is he seeing? And I hope you see it with your spiritual eye. What is he seeing? The disturbance of the water. The waters represent people. He's seeing, he's seeing this wind coming in. What's the wind? This is a unsettling of the nations. And what comes out of the unsettling of the nations? Watch carefully. Watch carefully. Don't miss it. So in Daniel chapter 7, and again, we're just being very patient with the text. We're not in a rush. I'm not running anywhere. You're not going anywhere. We're just going to go right through the passage. With my, my brothers and sisters, it's actually quite profound when you actually see what the text is emphasizing. And I'm going to show you the parallels or the, how Gabriel himself begins to interpret the passage. We don't have to make anything up. So in Daniel 7, look again now. We just did verse 2. Let's go in verse 3. Let's look at verse number 4. Verse 4 says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it all right so let's go back to the the document that i had here for you let's go back to that document let's look carefully at that and watch carefully so first is like a lion had eagle's wings do you see 
when you when you look at what Gabriel emphasizes, and I just want to emphasize what Gabriel emphasizes. Gabriel does not emphasize the name of the kingdom, okay? When we begin to look at the interpretation of the lion, the only thing that is given when interpreting this lion in the text is verse number 17. And verse 17 says, these great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. That is the only thing that the angel says when he's giving this interpretation. Look at the same thing for the second beast. I beheld another beast, verse 5, a second like a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said, thus unto it, arise, devour much flesh. Okay? Without me going into the historical application, watch what the interpretation does. Verse 17, the great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. That is the only thing the angel actually says about the second beast. Stay with me, okay? Because we're going to get to a point where you're going to see what the angel emphasizes. And if you can see what the angel emphasizes, you can understand the import of what this prophecy is all about. Watch this now. Verse number six. And after this, I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had on the back of it four wings of a fowl. The bees had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Well, that's interesting. You would think that the angel had something more to say. He didn't. Verse 17, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Are you following so far? The angel is not emphasizing the great details of the lion or the bear or the leopard, even though in another study we will go deep into that. But I want you to follow the interpretation of the angel, not the interpretation of what we, what is, uh, or not how we normally see the text, okay? Because I want you to see the text the way the Daniel saw the text, okay? Look at this. Look at verse, verse number seven. Verse number seven says something very interesting, and I want you to pay close attention. It says, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had... 10 horns. Are you with me? It had 10 horns. Let's compare that. Verse number 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. Now, why does that become important? Let me come out of here for a moment. I want you to just go right back to your Bibles. Go back to your Bibles. I want you to see something. If you look at verse number... Uh, three, verse number four, verse number five, verse number six, seven, and eight, you'll see that there's the progression of kingdoms, right? So you have the lion, the bear, the leopard with four heads, the dreadful and terrible beasts, right? And then you have verse nine, we, and we'll talk about in detail in a moment, the kingdom of God being set up. Now, with that in mind, 
Stay with me now. Look at what happens after we read about the judgment and look at what Daniel does in verse number 15. Watch carefully. Verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body and the visions of my head troubled me. So Daniel is grieved in his, he's physically feeling pain. Daniel is physically feeling hurt and he's spiritually hurt by this vision. Now you need to ask yourself the question, why? Look at verse 16. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. So he's asking the one and the one's going to give him the interpretation. The interpretation is in two verses. Okay. Two verses, not 10, not 20, two. So the, whoever this messenger is emphasizes two verses. Watch what it says. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. That's it. The angel stops. He doesn't explain any more. So if we're doing a summary, let's make a summary of all of this. There are the lion, the bear, the leopard, dreadful, terrible beast. The judgment of God sits and the kingdom is given to, his, to the son. And then Daniel is grieved. You would think if Daniel sees this and the kingdom of God is given to the son, that he would be happy. Like this would be a good thing. Like why would he be upset about this? But he's grieved in his body and he's grieved in his spirit. And the Gabriel or whoever this angel is says, there are four kings, God wins. Four kings, God wins. You would think, okay, well, that's it. But no, watch Daniel's response. Watch carefully. Look at Daniel's response. And I'm going to look at verse number 19. Verse number 19. Watch Daniel's response because this is key. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. He didn't say, I want to know the truth of the first of the lion. He didn't say, I want to know the truth of the bear that was raised up on one side. He didn't say, I want to know the truth of the leopard that had four heads. He says, I want to know the truth of the fourth beast. Are you with me? I want to know the truth of the fourth beast because the fourth beast is the beast that caused him to have physical pain and spiritual pain. Again, remember verse, verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body and the visions of my head troubled me. Are you with me so far? Okay, so Daniel is concerned about the fourth beast, but why? Why is he concerned about the fourth beast? My friends, pay close attention because I believe to a great extent, even those of us who have claimed to be part of God's remnant people have missed the main point of this prophecy. And I don't want you to miss it tonight. I want you to get it. I want you to lock it in because we only want to emphasize what the angel emphasizes. We only want to emphasize what, what Gabriel has emphasized, what God has emphasized in the text. So watch, stay with me. So here we read, verse 19, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse, which means it was different from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron. 
and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, has stamped the residue with his feet. And what else does he want to know? Of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Watch. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and the text says, prevailed against them. Now, my friends, when I was studying this years ago, this passage, that verse, right there, verse 21, the Holy Spirit just pressed that verse into my brain. It was like, I, I, I almost felt like it was a, a, a mistranslation. I, 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 when I read it, I was like, what, what do you mean? The horn may war with the saints and prevail. What does that mean, prevail? That means they won. That means they were defeated. I said, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that at all. What do you mean God's people were prevailed against? We sing songs like no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We, we read things like um, there is no temptation such as is common to man that God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So how is it possible that we're reading a passage that says we were prevailed against? The saints were prevailed against by this little horn power that makes war with God's people. That troubled me. And I know as I was reading this, this is the part that made Daniel concerned. Now, why do you say, why do I say that? Now, mind you, this passage starts out in Daniel 7, talking about the king Belshazzar. Remember, everybody remember the story of Belshazzar? Belshazzar is the one that had the golden goblets and having this great party and all that stuff. Remember that? This is nearly near the end of the 70 years that was prophesied on Jerusalem for their rebellion. Go with me. Go with me. Let me, let me point that out to you. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Because Daniel is a student of Bible prophecy. And you're going to see that Daniel, though he was a prophet himself, studied the writings of other prophets. So Jeremiah chapter 25, and I want us to read verse number nine, okay? We're going to start reading verse nine. We're going to read through. Jeremiah 25, starting in verse number nine, the Bible says, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and an hissing and perpetual desolations, plural. Now, why is that important? Notice God says, I'm going to bring the families of the north and God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant. You guys got that? And God is using Nebuchadnezzar as a means of scattering or disciplining the disobedient children of God. Please keep that in mind because this is going to help us in a further study when we start dealing really tensely with the Antichrist power. Now, verse, verse 10 says, moreover, I will make from them, I will take from them the voice of mirth 
and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the candle. And this whole land, pay attention, shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. How long does it say? 70 years. So Daniel, being a great student of the Bible, is seeing that time is nearly finished for the 70 years. And he's getting this vision now, and he's seeing the people of God being persecuted and prosecuted by the fourth beast who has this little horn that is persecuting and prosecuting the people of God. This troubles him to his very being, my friends. He's disturbed. He doesn't understand what this all entails. Now, with that being stated, go back now to Daniel. Go back now to Daniel. Back to Daniel, chapter 7. And I read verse all the way up to verse 21. Oh, let me just share with you the screen here so you can see. I want to share this with you real quick. As you can see on the screen, I have a comparison with Daniel 7, and I want you to see the interpretation, okay? So on the left side is the actual vision, and on the right side is the interpretation given by the angel, okay? So I read to you Daniel 7, verse 19. Let's read Daniel 7, verse 20 and 8. Uh, we read that, and of the ten horns that were in his head, verse, 20, verse Daniel 7, verse 12, as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So all the beasts were taken away. They were prolonged for a season and a time. Now look at the interpretation on the angel side. In Daniel seven seventeen, it says, These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Thus he said, now watch the interpretation. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms. And what will this do? And shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. So let me... Let me Pull up an old slide series that I've done in the past. See if this will be beneficial. All right. Can you guys, you guys still see my screen here? Uh, let me go down. You guys see this? This is. This is the, the first king of Babylon, the lion. Can you guys see that? Just type yes if you can see the lion. If you can see the lion, let me know. Can you see that? Yeah, I think you can see it. Great. Great, great, great. All right, great. Now watch this. So the lion, historically, is the kingdom of Babylon. Now, I won't go into great detail tonight. I will go into great detail at another time, but not tonight. You'll see here. This head of gold and the lion are corresponding to each other. Okay, you see that? They correspond to each other. This is the time frame that they rule together. This is, notice the next one here, Medo-Persia. This is the time frame 
Let me see here real quick. Let me do this. I'm going to, here we go. So you see the bear, it has three ribs in his mouth. Each, each one of those ribs represent a particular kingdom. Um, but Medo-Persia, the bear is raised up on one side. Okay, we're just going through the imagery very quickly. And that bear is equivalent to the chest and arms of silver of Daniel 2. We talked about this before. We have here a leopard that has four heads and has four wings. These four heads are a symbol of the four great generals of the Grecian Empire. Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. Those are the four great generals um, that were dominant. And again, we'll go into detail at another time. The four wings indicate this great speed in which that nation quickly dominated the then known world, okay? Then we have Greece, and then we have the, the belly and thighs of brass, which is equivalent to this leopard. And then we have this dreadful and terrible beast. Now this dreadful and terrible beast, it is a description. It's dreadful and terrible. <laughs> it has iron teeth, just like there were iron legs. Okay, everybody follow that? We're just, we're just going through, we're making these correlations and the time frames again, are not the main point of our study tonight. So don't get caught up there. But I just wanted to show you the parallels. And then we have this kingdom having 10 parts. All right, so the Suevi, the Visigoths, the Burgundians, the Franks, the Alemanni, the Ostrogoths, the Heruli, the Lombards. And so here we have these 10 10 divisions, the 10 horns, the Alemanni, which were the Germans, the Burgundians, which were the Swiss, the Franks, which were the French, the Lombards, which were the Italians, the Saxons, which were the English, the Suevi, I don't know if I'm saying that right, which were the Portuguese, the Visigoths, or the Spanish, and then you have the Hurali, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals. These were the three that were plucked up by the roots. Again, not our main point, but I'm just giving you a little bit of historical so you can follow along. Now, these were plucked up and they were ex extinct by this little horn power. And actually, I'm going to, in, in our next study, go into detail about how this little horn did that to these three powers. Now, this little horn, who is this power? Now, this power is equivalent to the same power that we see in Revelation chapter 13. It's the same power. It is the same power that is equivalent to 2 Thessalonians, where it talks about this antichrist power that presents itself in the last days. Now, I'm coming out of that. I'm going to stop, stop and share my screen. Now, I share, I share that with you for context purposes. Like behind me, behind me, I made a chart. You see this chart right here? I actually did that and created that for myself because I really wanted to understand the greater picture of the prophetic application of what's happening in our day. In Daniel chapter 7, there is a key in the text that folks have overlooked. And because we have overlooked it, we don't understand Daniel 8. We don't understand Daniel 10, 11, or 12, or Daniel 9, because we overlooked this key part in Daniel 7. So I'm going to give you this key. When I give you this key, be sure to treasure this key. For it is the secret of victory in the last hours that we live in, okay? It's a, it's a powerful key. So you don't want to miss the key that I'm about to give you. Okay, so you have your Bible. We're back in Daniel 7. I've shown you a trend of powers 
that have come on the scene, each one having a time to fulfill God's purpose and intent for the plan of salvation. Now, I want to go back to this in verse number 21. Here comes the key. I beheld and lo, the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Now, here's my top five words in all the Bible. Until. What do you mean, until? So this power dominates the people of God until. Until what? Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Now, stay with me. Go back to Daniel 7, verse number 9. Watch what happened. So when we had the transition of power, we had the lion, the bear, the leopard, dreadful and terrible beasts, ten horns, little horn comes up, plucks up three by the roots. We're seeing a transition of kingdoms, a succession of powers. But then verse 9 says, I beheld to the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from, came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set. And the books were opened. The judgment is set and the books are opened. Compare that passage with what we just read in verse 22. The saints are prevailed against until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high. What are we talking about? Judgment is set. Books are open. Now, when the books are open, my friends, our names come up. Names are coming up. Now, there are people that are afraid of their name coming up in the books of heaven. Let me tell you something. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ the righteous, if you've given your soul to the most high, if you have made sure and you've made your calling and election sure with him, you are not afraid of judgment. Amen. You are excited about judgment. In fact, if you are a true believer, in the gospel, as it is in Jesus, then when this idea of judgment comes up, fear and trepidation will not be your response. Your response will be a response like that of God himself. So let me ask you, what is God's response to judgment? Let me read it to you. It's actually found in the book of Psalms. It's in the book of Psalms. It's interesting. This is the second time I've been talking about this today. I just was on another um, podcast today talking about this and at least this point and I just think it's so powerful I love talking about it because it it puts in perspective the great plan of salvation in the gospel Psalms 37 look at verse 28 Psalms 37 verse 28 the Bible says for the Lord loveth judgment 
What is, what is God's posture towards judgment? The Bible says that he loves judgment, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved for how long? Forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. So God's emotional state, God's posture towards judgment is that of love. God loves judgment. Do you love judgment? I think the reason why we don't love judgment is because we have not fully just surrendered our, all, all of our ugliness to the most high. You know what I mean? Like once you confess and leave everything out there, there's nothing to hide. And you know that the blood of Jesus covers you. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be ashamed of because he's covered you and he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. But the Bible says the sinners in Zion are afraid. Those who are holding on to secret sins, of course, we're afraid of judgment. Of course, because we're going to be called out. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's very, very, very interesting that as judgment is set and the books are open, judgment is cast in favor of the saints, in favor of the saints. Now watch this, my friends. Now, let me keep reading this to you. Watch this. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not the saints. They are preserved forever. And then it says in verse number 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein, how long? Forever. Now hold your hand right there. Go back to Daniel. Watch what we just read. Watch what we just read. Because again, sometimes we read quickly. Go back to Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse number 18. Don't lose your place in Psalms. Daniel 7 verse 18 says, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom, how long? Forever, even forever. Jump down to verse number 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So what is the result of the completion of the judgment of God for the saints? According to Psalms 37, in verse number 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein, how long? Forever. You see, my friends, when judgment is cast in favor of the saints, that means that the saints have been given their inheritance. The land has been given to them. The kingdom has been given to them. This is nothing for us to be like, oh, I don't like judgment. I'm afraid of judgment. Oh, he's going to look at. No, this is a good thing. Let me tell you something. You see, judgment is the opportunity for God to make right all that has been done wrong. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like those who molested children and got away with it, when God sits in judgment, the wicked are going to be in trouble. Are you hearing me? Those who robbed and cheated and pillaged and looked like they got away with murder, when God sits in judgment, is going to be corrected. That will be social justice ultimately in the, in the kingdom of heaven. My friends, the kingdom of God is about to be established, but in order for God to establish his kingdom, listen to me carefully with this, he must have subjects. No subjects, no kingdom. He must have subjects. He must have people that have allowed God to work righteousness inside of their carnal, 
body and mind and they have a new mind and they have a new heart and they have a new disposition and they are subjects of the most high but wait i'm jumping ahead so psalm 37 uh it highlights this idea that the the the, the lord loves judgment and the judgment is cast in favor of the saints. And when it's cast in their favor, he's giving them land. He's giving them authority. He's giving them dominion. He's giving them power. There's no ordinary thing taking place here. But then it says this. Watch. Verse 30. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. That's interesting. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Mm. Do you see that? None of his steps shall slide. What is he talking about? He's talking about judgment. He's, he's keeping his mind fixed that the most high will himself bring vengeance on those who have done them wrong. Watch, 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 watch. The wicked watcheth the righteous. The wicked watch the righteous, yep. And seeketh to slay them. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. So when the righteous comes up in judgment, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, none. But the wicked are watching the righteous, and they're looking to eliminate them. They're always trying to eliminate them, because when the righteous live righteously, the wicked start filling away. Like, well, who do they think they are? Mr. Goody Two Shoes, yada yada yidi yidi. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the mindset of the wicked. They're looking for hypocrisy, looking for the little things that you're doing wrong. And my friends, at the end of the day, when the wicked and notice what it says. No, I want to go back for a moment. Look at this because you you're going to see this phraseology a moment again in Daniel seven, verse number thirty three. It says verse thirty two says, and they seek to slay him. Then it says verse thirty three. The Lord will not leave him in his hand. What do you mean, leave him in his hand? The Lord will not leave him, the righteous, in the hand of the wicked, nor condemn him when he is judged. So that tells me that for a time, the righteous will be in the hand of the wicked. Are you following? For a time, the righteous will be under persecution. For a time, it will appear that the wicked are winning. For a time. And you see, my friends, if we can list, have this locked in our brain cells and we have, start having these troubles and it looks like the enemy is winning, we don't need to fret. We don't need to fear because we know the end of the game. In fact, hold your finger. I mean, we, got, we got a lot of fingers. So go, go with me. Go with me to Psalms. Hold on. Psalm 73. And I want us to look at verse one. Watch. Watch. Remember, the righteous speak of the law. They have God's law written in their hearts. Therefore, their feet do not slide. Watch this now. Verse one, Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. But why? Why had his steps well nigh slipped? What had happened that brought him to the place where he was about to walk away from God? Because my friends, listen to me. 
I have been in that place where I wanted to walk away from God. And if anybody's listening to me, you may have been in that place where you wanted to walk away from God, walk away from the truths of the scripture, walk away from the standards of righteousness, but listen to what the psalmist himself said. Why did your feet all almost slip? Verse three, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I was envious of the foolish. I saw them prospering. How is it that they are prospering in their wickedness and I'm trying to live right and I don't have all the things I need to have? My feet almost slipped. You see the nice car that a wicked person is driving. You're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be so stringent. Or you see, you see all the, the MTV cribs, you know what I'm saying? Like you see all that stuff and your brain's starting to go, man, maybe I'm being too strict. You see this person is with this guy and you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be so strict. There ain't no men in the church anyway. You know, like your mind starts going places because you look at the wicked and you're envying what they have. Verse four says, there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. This is talking about the wicked. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Now watch this. I mean, I'm reading this, friends. And I understand the pain that the, that the psalmist is writing here. This is the, the psalm of Asaph. He's writing this and he's, he's, he's crying out. The wicked look like they're getting away with everything. And then he says this in verse 13. Verily, have I cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency? For all the day long have I been in plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. But watch the next word. Top five word in all the Bible. Until. So he felt this way until. Until what? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Mm. So he's feeling away about the wicked because the wicked looks like they're prospering. Looks like they're getting away with murder. They blaspheming. They're doing all this stuff. Don't look like they, any justice is in the land until, until what? Until he enters into the sanctuary. And when he enters into the sanctuary and he sees the great plan of salvation, then he says, I get it. My feet ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I, I'm not giving up anything in regards to the gospel for the, because I know what will be the end of the game. Now, my friends, at this juncture, as Daniel is in vision and he sees this power prevailing against the saints of God until, until what? 
the ancient of days came, the judgment was set given in favor of the saints. That's the end. That's what Daniel, that's what uh, uh, the, 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 the psalmist sees in the sanctuary. There's an end to the dominance of the wicked. There's an end to it. So if you know there's an end, do you join them? Well, remember Daniel chapter, chapter five, the handwriting on the wall, and they're going to give Daniel the third rulership in the kingdom. And Daniel said, you know, keep, keep your awards to yourself, man. I don't need that. Why? Because Daniel knew the end. You see, my friends, if you know the end of the story, if you know who wins, then you choose the side who's going to win. You understand what I'm saying? It may look like the enemy is prospering. It may look like the world is doing, doing great things, but at the end of the day, God wins. God wins. And we must be in cooperation with the great plan of salvation in order to walk lockstep with him in these final hours of earth's history. So watch again. Watch, watch again. I'm, we're going to go for a few more moments here. Watch this now. Go back with me. Go back with me to Psalms 37. Go back with me to Psalms 37. Watch this. Because I'm only, I'm only emphasizing what the angel emphasizes. The angel is emphasizing the fourth kingdom that oppresses and persecutes God's people. The angel emphasizes that this power prevails until a certain point. The angel emphasizes this. So now the key would be, how do we get to a place where we are no longer prevailed against? Watch. Psalm 37. Watch this. We're looking now at verse number 33. Now, verse 33 says, the Lord would not leave him in his hand. The Lord would not leave the righteous in the hand of the wicked, nor condemn him when he is judged. Watch this now. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. Did you get that? Wait on the Lord. Endure. You know, there's another phrase in, in Revelation where it says, here is the patience of the saints. What is the patience for? It's for enduring. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Endure. Wait on the Lord. That's what it says. Wait and keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. But what happens to the wicked? When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man. Behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Now, my friends, the only thing that gives a man peace is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that gives a woman peace is Jesus being in the midst of the boat while the storm is raging all around. That is the only way to have peace. That is the only way to have a life that reflects the reality of what the gospel is supposed to have. So my question is, do you have peace? Now, if you don't have peace, I implore you, not to waste another moment drowning yourself scrolling through Facebook 
without knowing that you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about an intellectual ascent to information. I'm talking about the peace that passes all understanding. I'm, do you know when Jesus came and he died on Calvary, the kingdom of grace is, was, was implemented and that grace was supposed to be something that changed us from the inside out so that when we are on this planet living in this world, we are to live righteously and godly in this present world. If you are not at peace, this is your opportunity to just take a moment and ask God and say, Father, take my heart for I cannot give it. It's your property. Keep it for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me from myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Save me from me. <laughs> you thought the worst enemy was some beast power that's coming up. Nope. Sorry. Worst enemy? You. Worst enemy? Me. You thought your husband was the problem. You thought your spouse was the problem. You thought your children were the problem. Nope, nope, and nope, and nope, and no. We are our worst enemy. We have our own beast-like tendencies. And what Christ is doing, listen to me carefully, the power is able to prevail against the saints of God until judgment is given in favor of the saints. When judgment is given in their favor, then they have total and complete victory, and they are allowed now to take the kingdom. Now, before I go further, go back with me, because I get excited, and sometimes I, I, I want to make sure that we're, 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 we're following this. Watch this. Go back with me for a moment. Look at Daniel 7. Look at Daniel 7. Daniel 7. Watch this. Now, in Daniel 7, the judgment is set. The books are open, right? Judgment is set. Books are open. And the judgment is about to be given in favor of the saints, in favor of the saints. Now, there's a passage that just came to my head. Now, I don't know if it's the right one, but it came to my head. So we're going to turn there just in case, just in case it's the right one. Go to Proverbs for a moment. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16. And I want us to read verse number. <laughs> it was the right verse. It just came to my head. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 15. Watch, brothers and sisters. In fact, let me see something before I even read that to you. Let me see if I can find. There's a pass. There's a. Hmm. Do I not have it here? Yeah, I don't have it. All right, so it's not in this one. Okay, we'll just roll with this. Proverbs 16, verse 15. Are you ready? In fact, let me do this. And you have it. Proverbs 16, 15 says, in the light of the king's countenance is life. You guys see that? And his favor is as a cloud of the, what's it say? Latter rain. Interesting. Are you following me right now? Let me, let me show you something else. Let me show you something else. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something. Stay with me on this, my friends, because if you, if you get this, you start to understand the great plan of salvation. Let me see this. I want to read to you. I want to read that same verse to you. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. What are we doing? Daniel 7 verse, is it 9? Go back to Daniel 7 for a moment. I read Proverbs. I want to read this, I want to read this verse to you in a different version. Because I, when I was studying this, when I was studying this, 
when it says judgment was given, given to the saints, there are some people that interpret this text a little differently, but verse 22, it says, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high. So I'm going to read this to you. Verse, what was that? Verse 22. I'm going to read this to you in a different version. And again, just stay with me. So in the NIV, which is a version I don't normally read, but in the NIV, it says this. Until the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the most high. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. You see that? Sometimes the King James doesn't say, you know, exactly. So this one says it really, really well. Until the angel of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people. Stay with me. Uh, if, you, if you don't like that version, let me give you another one. Let me give you, uh, let me see what the, what the NSAB says, right? This is a new American Standard Bible. So what does it say? So that one says, until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Following? So both of those, and let me do one more, just, just, just in case someone wants a different version. Let me, let's go to... New King James Version. Let's do that one. All right. Just, just so I could read this to you. It says, and New King James says, until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Okay. Stay here. Now, I want to do something else now. I want to share something else with you. I want to share another screen with you. And let me see here. Look at this. Nope. Yeah, here, share content. All right, so you see my screen here. Now I'm going to I'm going to draw or try to draw so here, the passage literally said favor. So there's a judgment given and there's favor given. Now, in, we just read in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 15, that in the light of the king's countenance is life and his favor is, a, is as a cloud of the latter rain. So when favor is given, is given once, uh-oh, is given once judgment is cast. You follow? So favor is given once judgment is cast. When judgment is cast in their favor, it is like the latter rain. Are you following? Now, that's a phrase, again, if you were not familiar with this phrase, latter rain, this has to do with like harvest and growth and stuff. This is the, it's rain is in the Bible equated with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're looking at this, 
and we're we're <laughs> we were looking at this and judgment is given in favor of the saints when that favor is given when that favor is given god's holy spirit is going to be poured out on his children favor equals latter rain judgment is cast in their favor there then now again i'm going to introduce a concept to you will not be able to go thoroughly into it tonight there is the judgment of the dead and judgment of sorry of the living okay there's the judgment of the dead and the judgment of the living so when favor is given in favor of uh, judgment is given in favor of the saints this favor God's spirit is poured out on the living. And this favor, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the living, empowers them, empowers them to take the kingdom. So what do you mean? Are we going to get weapons and, 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 and uh, machetes and, and, and guns to take the kingdom? No, my friends, we're not, we're not getting any machetes or guns to take the kingdom. Not at all. What's happening is when judgment is given in favor of the saints of the Most High, when that favor is given, there's a greater manifestation of the power of the Holy Ghost upon his saints. The saints then are empowered to go, go and spread the gospel, which advances the kingdom of the Most High. Now, for a moment, let me come out of this for a moment. Let me come out of this for a moment. Let me... I need, to, I need to look you in the eye and know that I'm looking at you, all right? Here we go. Let me come out of this. Look at this. Listen to me. Listen to me very, very carefully. Let me see something. Let me hide this for a moment. Let me, let me, let me share this with you. How do I say this? When God is making his final move, and this is where the people of God have to wake up. You see, when he enters into judgment, he has to have a people that enter into judgment with him. He has to have a people that understands what he's doing above. Because if you don't understand what he's doing above, you're going to miss the blessing that he's about to pour out below. Did you hear what I said? If you miss the blessing that he is doing above, you will more than likely miss out on the blessing that he's pouring out below. Let me give you an example so you can follow along with this thought. Remember the day of Pentecost? When the day was fully come, the disciples were all in one accord and in one place, and Jesus told them, tarry ye here and watch with, with me. Tarry, wait here until... There's an outpouring until I send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember that? Wait here. Do you know what was happening in heaven when the disciples were in one place and in one accord? Do you know what was happening? Go, 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 go quickly. Go with me. My time is fleeting. Go with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Probably not saying it properly. Acts. The book of Acts. <laughs> Chapter... Chapter 2. Watch this. 
So Ashley tells him, Terry here, wait, wait here. Watch this. In Acts chapter 2, I want you to see this, brothers and sisters. Verse 29, we're going to start reading verse 29, and we're going to read on. But watch this. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus have God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, watch this now, watch this. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. That's talking about Jesus. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Wait, wait, wait. You might miss this, but I don't want you to miss this. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do? Terry here, wait. Come in one accord, one mind, one place, one accord. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. He has received the Holy Ghost, and now he's sharing. He's giving the Holy Ghost to his disciples who spiritually were connected with him in his movements above. So as Jesus was anointed above as... High priest. In fact, go with me to Psalms. Psalms 133. Watch this. I know I'm giving you a lot tonight, but it's okay. We haven't studied for a couple of days. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and we're going to just, you know, put it on there. Psalms 133. Watch. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in Unity. Now, isn't that what the disciples were doing in one place in one accord? They were in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. So it's like oil coming all down his shirt, off his beard. That has to be a lot of oil, right? coming all the way down his clothes, off the skirts of his garments. That is copious amounts of oil. That's not a little bit of oil. That's a lot of oil being poured out and coming off of his garments. Now watch verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord God commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So first of all, little science, dew does not descend. Dew comes up from the ground. So this translation is not the best translation. So whatever came down was water. And water coming down from heaven is a symbol of rain. Rain coming down on Zion. Zion's a symbol of the church. Let's back up. Aaron is a high priest anointed with oil. That's a symbol of the Holy Ghost. The, the oil is so much that it's coming off his face, off his clothes, translates into water as if it's coming down from the sky and falls upon the church. As Jesus was anointed in heaven above his church was anointed below. As the judgment in heaven passes and is passed in our favor, 
when that judgment passes in our favor, there is a kingdom that is going to be established, the eternal kingdom that is never to be destroyed. As Christ is anointed as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that anointing comes down from heaven and we are then anointed with that same power that Jesus is anointed with in heaven as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we cannot be anointed while we are being disobedient. Did you hear me? We cannot be anointed while God's law is not written in our hearts. Watch this. Go back to Daniel 7. We're nearly done. We're nearly done. Back to Daniel 7. Watch this, brothers and sisters. Watch this. In Daniel 7, it says, verse 22, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and a time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Now, go back, back over to Daniel chapter 7 and look at verse number 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came to the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. What is he doing? And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. Wait, what does Jesus do? He goes into the presence of his father to receive a kingdom. But kingdoms have laws and kingdoms have subjects. And if there are no subjects that obey his law, he cannot have a kingdom. And let me tell you a secret. Whether you are obeying him or not, there are people who are obeying him. Whether you are being obedient to the will of God or not, there are people that have accepted the new covenant relationship with God where he promises to write his law in our hearts to make us citizens of an eternal kingdom. That's why I'm always saying to my brothers and sisters, this world and its politics has, uh, is nothing for us. The eternal kingdom is about to be set up. Do you know what's happening? Let me tell you, let me tell you this. We have been so long in playing games with God that he has delayed. He has delayed the setup of his eternal kingdom because he has found few people that are willing to enter into that most holy place experience with him where everything that is unclean is removed from their experience. You see, have you ever noticed some of the wars that God would fight? When he would fight those wars, they would do things like um, march around a, a town six times and on the seventh day, march around seven times, blow a trumpet and everything comes falling down. You know, our God fights wars a little differently than men fight wars. But he can't do that with us in these last days if we are not in concert with him. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. See, Daniel didn't understand fully. He thought his 70 years was up. He didn't understand why God's people were still being persecuted. It troubled him to his very being. Like, my man faints at the end of the chapter. Like, if you read the end of the chapter, it says in verse number, in verse number 28, Hitherto is the end of the matter. 
As for me, Daniel, my cogitations troubled me and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. My man's troubled, his physical being, he still doesn't understand. He doesn't understand what I'm telling you. Daniel did not understand what I'm telling you. He didn't understand that God's people will constantly be, be beaten by whatever Antichrist power there is as long as they are holding on to secret sin. But you say, Brother Preacher, how do I know this? That word prevail is used in the book of Numbers, and I, I don't have time to go into it right now. In another study, we can go into it. Do you know Balaam and Balak? You know that story? Balaam and Balak. Balak wants to curse the people of God, but he can't curse them. And when he can't curse them, he uh, ultimately envisioned Balaam sees the secret of the success of Israel. So what he does, he says, you know what? In order to be Israel, what you got to do, you got to send in the women with the fishnet stockings. You know what I mean? Like you got to send in the women. You got to give them the food. You got to get them to compromise their allegiance to God. When you get them to compromise their allegiance to God, they are open for anything. And the curse that you would put on them will be effective. Do you know what happened? They sent in the women and the food. They ate things sacrificed unto idols, and they committed fornication. And in doing that, my friends, the power of the enemy was dominating them. A curse came upon them. As it was then, right before they entered into the, on, while they were on the banks of the Jordan, entered into the Canaan land, so it is in our day. As we're about to enter into the Canaan land, the eternal bliss of heaven, we are on the banks of the Jordan, and there is a temptation for God's people to compromise, whether it be spiritually, spiritual compromise with, with teachings and doctrines that are not true, or physical, brothers and sisters. What are we doing? What are we doing? Whose kingdom are we on? Romans 6.16 6 says this, and I'll end. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. When Jesus goes in to establish an eternal kingdom, he's looking for obedient souls. But there's no such thing as an obedient soul without that soul accepting Jesus Christ as Lord, which means he gets to tell us what to do, and Savior. Too many professions of religion. Too many professions of religiosity. God will have and is developing a people that will love him more than anything else in this world. And there is going to be a time, and again, we're not done with Daniel 7. We're going to come back to it and go into more detail. But there is a time when the enemy had God's people in his hand. And the Bible says they will be in their hand for a time, times and half a time, until, until what? Until the judgment was set and the books are open and judgment is given in favor of the saints. And my friends, judgment has not yet been given in favor of the saints of those who are living. Soon, none know how soon, judgment will pass from the dead to the living. But when that happens, my friends, we need to be in position on our knees in the most holy place, making sure our lives reflect the reality that we have been with Jesus. And I'm telling you, we need to agonize and plead with God, especially if you feel your spiritual life 
going away. Like you need to be like, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. You have to do this, my friends. You have to. God is looking for a people to do this. You, you, you know what? You can look at all the end time events you want to. You can watch the Pope do X, Y, Z. You can watch the, the natural disasters, all those things, which are all true. But my friends, if you're not watching Jesus in the most holy place, if you're not in communion with God, if you're not having fellowship with him alone and having him deal with the secret recesses of what's going on inside, all of that other watching is going to be of no effect. Know God. And if you know God, you know his son. And if you know his son, then you begin to know yourself. And when you know yourself, you'll see your need. And when you see your need, you'll cry out with all, everything you have in you, Father, save me, for I cannot save myself. You'll cry with everything that's inside of you. you there's no good thing. Everything is uncomely. It's, it's filthy. It's no good as I'm in the presence of the Most High. Why? Because he's holy and I'm not. <laughs> he's good and I'm not. He's patient and he's kind. And ultimately, my friends, naturally, I'm not. So I want to give him permission because that's all he needs, right? To take my heart for I cannot give it. It is his property. I'm going to ask him to keep it because I can't keep it for myself. I'm going to beg him to save me from myself, my weak, unchristlike self, and raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich currents of his love can truly flow through my soul. The kingdoms of this world are doomed. There is no solution. Every race has tried. Every nation has tried. They've all failed. Fear God. Give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. And to worship him that made heaven and earth, seas and the fountains of water. Come out of Babylon. Come out of confusion. Come away from your own theories. Submit to the most high. Will you do that today? Will you give him your heart? Will you give him permission to take it? <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for our study this evening. We've covered a lot. I pray, Father, that you will help us to see the work that you are doing in the sanctuary above the judgment that is set, the books that are open, your desire to establish an eternal kingdom. And I can see how the enemy would be afraid of the reality of this message. For if we grab hold of this message, huh, how soon you will come, how soon your name would be glorified and vindicated in a world that is full of darkness and sin. Father, please help us to stand in our place. Please, Lord, help me. Help my friends who are listening tonight, wherever they're listening from, at whatever time they hear this message, please. Thank you for hearing us, Lord. 
Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you for the gift of your son. Help us to see Jesus even more clearly, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. My friends, thank you for joining me tonight. Tomorrow night, we'll be continuing our study. Uh, we're still dealing with the book education tomorrow night. We're talking about character development, which still fits in exactly what we're talking about now. So please come ready to study, expand our minds, invite a friend. We're going to make it, brothers and sisters, as long as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. God bless you this evening. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, keep us in prayer. Have a good night. Uh, the Bible study tomorrow night is at 6.30, same time. 6.30 Eastern time, same time. All right, tomorrow night. God bless you. Good night. <laughs>